The Music Business Worldwide podcast is supported by Volley Music, a leading financial management platform for the music industry. Volley enables you to track expenses, approve invoices, and make payments 24-7, 365 days a year. For your free trial, head to volleymusic.com. That's V-O-L-Y music.com. Hello and welcome to the Music Business Worldwide podcast supported by Volley Music. My name is Tim Ingham, the founder of Music Business Worldwide, and today I'm talking to and about Audius. Audius is one of the most talked about new digital streaming startups in the music business, and it's powered by Web3 technology, a concept we maybe haven't talked about as much as we did in 2022, for example. Audius describes itself as a global decentralized music community and discovery platform that puts the artist in control. What that really means is that Audius enables artists to connect with their superfans and then offer those superfans the opportunity to pay more for access to coveted digital products and treats, be that rare catalogue recordings or even the permission or ability for a fan to remix a track. Audius boasts 7 million unique monthly users on its platform and has attracted investment from some impressive people, both music artists and music executives. In 2021, Audius announced a $5 million funding round that included financing from the likes of Katy Perry, Nas and the Chainsmokers, as well as CSAC CEO John Josephson, former Sony music publishing boss Marty Bandier, 360 founder Mark Gillespie and all-round music biz mogul Guy Asiri. On this podcast, I speak to Audius's co-founder and chief product officer, Forrest Browning, about what differentiates his company from other music streaming platforms. We also discuss how Audius's model fits increasingly snugly with clamouring from major music company bosses, Solucian Grange included, for a better commercial relationship between the music industry and music's superfans. Forrest Browning, thank you for joining us on the MBW podcast. For those who don't know, could you just give us a kind of beginner's guide to Audius and what makes it different in the streaming music landscape? Absolutely. So Audius is a music community and discovery platform that puts artists directly in control. You can almost think of it as a decentralized UGC platform, similar or reminiscent to how SoundCloud was back in the day where it empowers these artists essentially have a direct connection to their fan base and to engage on a deeper level than they may be able to do on other major DSPs. There's a lot more we can get into there, but essentially you can think of it as a super fan sort of platform where there's a a whole bunch of kind of additional functionality that you're not going to get on a, a traditional sort of music streaming service. And just talk us through that additional functionality. I know that comes in many, many forms, but I've been reading about how artists can set up remix competitions and have their fans actually make new music and judge them on it. And then also the more obvious things of fans being able to spend money, ultimately spend currency to unlock premium fan only content and areas. So just talk us through some of the ways that artists are using Audius to tap into that fandom. Absolutely. So I should kind of preface this with a lot of the things that are happening behind the scenes that we're able to do kind of uniquely here actually are kind of powered by Web3 and cryptocurrency and things like that. But that being said, we abstract all that away. We hide that behind the scenes and you don't need to know any of that as a user, fan or an artist. But it just enables us to give the clients or the users more functionality than they can get in a normal Web2 ecosystem. But to you, it looks and feels like a normal web product. 
And what that looks like is, I think our positioning here in many ways is all about the super fans. So I should kind of give a little bit more context here where Audius has about seven or eight million monthly active users. A lot of our initial traction was in electronic music and hip hop music. And I think for a lot of the artists that do well on Audius, they come there not necessarily to put up the same catalog that they have on all the major DSPs, you know, the Spotify's title, Apple Music. Instead, what tends to do really well on Audius as a community, as this grassroots sort of uh, direct interaction, what does well there are perhaps the B-sides or the long-form sets. Or for many of these DJs, for every 10 songs that wound up on an album, there's 30 more on a hard drive in a closet somewhere, right? And those things that never saw the light of day for one reason or another, those things wind up on Audius. They tend to do exceptionally well. And the way that we kind of view the world and we view kind of the musician ecosystem is that I think, frankly, places like Tidal, Apple Music, Spotify, those are great for the majority of your fan base. But the problem there is it treats all fans as essentially the same. And so it doesn't allow you to have a deeper engagement with those super fans, with those folks who are on the right side of the bell curve, if you will, the ones that want to really dig in and go to a deeper level. The way we think about it is Dead Mouse, for instance, is a great example. If you want to go deep with kind of your Dead Mouse fandom and you're a super fan of Dead Mouse, what can you really do? You can go to the shows, you can buy the merch, and you can listen on Spotify. And that's kind of the case for any super fan. All you're able to do is essentially something in line with a regular fan. And so with Audius, you go to Audius and you wind up seeing these things that for one reason or another didn't find the light of day or didn't see the light of day or were new and interesting and perhaps remixed on the platform. We can talk about how that works. And again, I think our approach here is that maybe not even all of your fans care about this kind of stuff. But some percentage of your fans absolutely do. Maybe the top 1% or the top 5% of your fan base. They gladly will go wherever you put that content because they want to engage on a meaningful, deeper level. And then that is essentially what Audius has built up at this point is these seven or eight million monthly active super fans. And so we we see them as, you know, <laughs> just supercharged fans that are aggressively looking for new and interesting types of content. I think that's what's also really interesting about Audius because of that kind of super fandom and that deeper level of engagement, we've been able to build out functionality like remixing. And we've, we've run this with many people, in particular, a lot of electronic artists. But when they upload the track, they can also upload the accompanying uh, source files or stem files, almost like splice basically in line along with the track. And so that's what's kind of cool is you can say, for my fans, if they follow me on Audius, they can download maybe the drums or the whatever the different aspects of the songs are. And then you can run these remix competitions. Again, this is all opt-in. This isn't on by default, but it's all about artist empowerment and giving these folks the ability to do these things. And so it's been really cool to see. We've had cases where hundreds of remixes from your fans will get uploaded in a short two or three day period for these remix competitions. And then folks will, you know, live stream it on Twitch. There have been actually bedroom DJs that have gotten signed to some of these independent labels because the independent label managers loved the remixes of, of the original content. So it's a really cool way to kind of have this grassroots discovery. And I think it's all about kind of bringing up the entire kind of ecosystem. A very timely point in the evolution of the music industry to be talking to you. One of the reasons I was excited to talk to you actually is because before we were all jabbering away endlessly about AI and fake Drake voices and what have you, probably the dominant theme, certainly in MBW's reporting this year, has been about the evolution of the royalty streaming model. I'm sure you saw the letter from Sir Lucian Grange hinting 
hinting towards the idea that different levels of fandom should be rewarded in different ways on streaming services, indeed valued in different ways on streaming services. And it's interesting to hear you talk about the idea of every listener being valued the same. It's not just that there's a ceiling, in my view, to how they can express and enjoy and embellish their fandom, which we'll come into, which is where audience fits in. It's also the reverse, the sort of perverse commercial incentives this leads to on certain platforms, naming no names to drive less passionate listening to drive the largest possible volumes of less passionate listening. And with all of that in context, are you, I guess, do you agree with Seleucian Grange? He, has, he wasn't particularly specific in what he was talking about. He was hinting as, as towards the experiments that Universal would like to conduct in terms of how to better monetize fandom or super fandom. But do you think the music industry is leaving money on the table? And do you think that's becoming more and more apparent as time goes on? Yeah, it's a great question. So I mean, Audius has been around since 2019, and or I guess early 2018, actually. And the product's been live since late 2019. And we've been beating this drum now for four or five years. That's kind of core to what Audius does, right? Is figure out ways to help monetize and engage fans at different levels. And I think you can look over the last 50, 60 years of the industry and like the value of a stream has gone down dramatically, almost to zero, if we're totally honest, right? Like in terms of back in the day, you'd have to perhaps buy the entire vinyl record to be able to listen to one song. And then there's been cassette tapes and CDs and various evolutions of this and iTunes unbundling. And every step of the way, the value of one particular song or especially one particular stream has gone down and down and down to now the point where you can listen to that song on any of these streaming services or YouTube and it's ad supported and there's minuscule basis points essentially of a penny per stream, right? Getting paid out. And to a certain extent, it's we can all talk about why that is, right? It's ad supported in many cases like you know YouTube, for instance. And there's only so much that advertisers are willing to pay for a view or for a listen for a song. And so it's kind of this pretty obvious inputs versus outputs of a free market. But again, I think the bigger picture, and this is where people run into trouble missing the forest for the trees, the bigger picture is that that only values people at the exact same rate. It makes everyone the same sort of casual fan. It's almost the lowest common denominator in terms of how you can monetize these folks. And like I said, think about a bell curve. We think top the right side of the bell curve, the 5%, the 10% of your fandom, those are not casual fans. Those are folks that would gladly pay a little bit of money to go deeper and get extra content or extra access that isn't available elsewhere. And so I think that's exactly right. I think I think a lot of money is being left on the table because extra offerings are not being given to the fans. And that's not to say that every fan should all of a sudden just have to pay twice as much or something like that. I think there's actually a world here where everyone comes away from this happy, where the existing casual fans can continue to pay ballpark what they pay right now on the major DSPs. But the super fans can pull out five, 10 bucks a month and get access to a fan club or special access to stuff that we can get into and actually be able to get more content. And I think it's a very choose your own adventure. I think that's how we rebuild this, right? Over the last 50, 60 years, the value of a stream has gone down down, down, diminishingly. I think now we've kind of reached a point where the last few years in particular is frankly rock bottom. The only place you can go from here is, is up. 
And I think the way that we go back up and rebuild is by adding more optionality for consumers, because we can't expect that everyone is just going to be okay waking up tomorrow and doubling the price that they pay to Spotify every month. But I think there are interesting ways that you can monetize different fans at different rates. And Zynga and all these other folks have proven this out over the last few decades. And we can get into that. But yeah, I think that's how we do this is we actually we provide more offerings that everyone comes away happy with. Um, it's amusing, but to your credit, that you're clearly coming from the perspective of the artist here when you talk about the value of a stream, individual stream going down and down over the years. I sort of guiltily tend to come at these things from the perspective of the industry or its largest players. And I agree with you totally. I just feel that what's been happening is they being the largest music rights holders have been not happy than probably satisfied to leave this money on the table while the growth in revenue, overall growth in revenue, holistic growth in revenue from streaming has been going up by the billions each year. Now we're starting to see the first signs in very, very important mature markets, particularly the United States. There are degrees of saturation coming in and there's not much growth left. I think now is the time that company, it should be no surprise that company like Universal Music Group and Seleucian Grange is, is mindful of of turning the dials a little bit to what you've been talking about and bringing that uh, great word optionality to the consumer. Are you excited or otherwise by having a large scale company like Universal Music Group start to turn its attention towards the thing that you've been developing these past few years thematically? Absolutely. I think it's fantastic, right? And to be clear, I think everyone in this entire ecosystem is, is acting rationally. And that's how you have to view this. Everyone acts rationally according to their best interests. And it makes sense that the last few years, especially for the majors, the major DSP streaming revenue has been almost at a J curve. And so why kill the golden goose? Uh, finally, things are are in a good state. I think historically, the music industry has always had a tenuous relationship with technology because many times it disrupts before it rebuilds. And so I think you've kind of seen this over the last couple of decades, the last few years of these major streaming platforms have finally managed to rebuild a way where you can kind of recoup a lot of that money that was flying out the door for the decades prior to that. And so I totally get it. You're acting rationally, like, don't rock the boat. This is finally working. We're rebuilding. Why would we want to, to adjust anything? But now, to your point, I think, yeah, you can look at all the numbers on this, all the curves in terms of uh, subscriber growth. Yeah, there's a saturation point, right? There's only 300 and some odd million people in the US. And at some point, everybody on earth, or at least everybody in the US knows about Spotify. They're either paying for it or they have the ad supported version. And so there's just not any more people to pull out credit cards. And so you start to cap out uh, the amount of money that you're going to make monthly from kind of that casual fan, like fan base. And so the obvious place, if you want to keep growing revenue, is to start thinking about alternative kind of monetization strategies. And that's where Audius comes in. And we're extremely excited that four or five years ago, like I said, when we started Audius, folks, I think on the whole, we're like, no, 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 shut up. Like, we're finally just getting this thing back on the train, back on the tracks. Things are finally stable. Like, why would we want to rock the boat, right? And now five years later, it's like, okay, things are so stable that maybe they're perhaps flat from a revenue perspective. And so if we want to get that thing going again, we need to figure out new ways to add revenue. Yeah, the way that we view this like at Audius is, is very, very, very much growing the pie. 
And I think that's the important part is that this is absolutely not a zero sum world. This is not to say that for every dollar that goes into the audience ecosystem is a dollar less that goes into Spotify or something like that. I think very importantly, we're massively non-competitive with those existing DSPs. And I think that's how the labels think about these things too. You've got to grow the pie. It can't be a zero sum scenario. That's very much where we sit. Allow me to ask my dummy question. Typically, I have one on these discussions. So what additional value does... So Audius is built on the Ethereum blockchain. I think I'm right in saying. What additional value does that and cryptocurrency bring to the tokenization of the relationship between the fan and the artist? What additional advantages does that bring versus a traditional currency setup whereby I would get my credit card and pay X amount of dollars extra to be able to enter the remix competition or get my additional content or what have you. Can you explain to me, I know it's a complex subject, but in a, in a nutshell, why it's important to you guys to be part of Web3 and to have that cryptocurrency element? <laughs> it's a great question. I'll try to keep the, the answer short here. So yeah, there's aspects of Audius that are on Ethereum and Solana. And basically what that allows us to do is it en- enables everything to be transparent and fast. You can almost think of the blockchain as a giant public database, uh, because at the end of the day, that's basically what it is. And so what it allows you to do is it allows these artists to come, make an account, sign up, create their profile. And also importantly, Audius is not the one necessarily like hosting things. There's the blockchain itself is what's hosting your content. So now you are a Web3 native or you're a Web3 account. You don't even know this, but when you make an account or you upload a track behind the scenes, there's an Ethereum wallet, there's a Solana wallet. There's a whole bunch of integrations to this whole crypto world that happen on your behalf in this place like Audius. We almost think of ourselves as you know Web 2.5, bridging the gap between the Web2 user experience and like Web3. And so we do a lot of work to abstract away all the crazy complexity that's happening behind the scenes. But then when you do that, I mean, essentially everything's public and everything's transparent. And so what this looks like as an artist is that you're able to see who your fans are. There's no data being gated. There's no sort of like information that's being withheld from you as an artist in terms of who your fans are, where they are, what they engage with, all that kind of stuff. Even like your emails, if you want to build out a subscriber list, things like that. It's all public. It's all transparent. And there's no way to, to gate that or hold that back from you. And so essentially you as the artist know what the platform knows. It's more than just that. It's the fact that it's built in as a fundamental guarantee in the way that blockchain works. And it also allows us to facilitate payments or the ecosystem can facilitate payments in a transparent and essentially instantaneous way. So what that means is that like, if you're someone based in Africa and you want to tip or you want to unlock a piece of content from an artist based in the US, again, it's all that like web three payment rails. You don't have to worry about all the traditional web two uh, payment infrastructure that would normally come into play. And there's a lot we could unpack there, but basically it means that somebody on the other side of the world can click a button and five seconds later, you have that money as a US dollar in your bank account if you want to be. And what's kind of cool there, and you mentioned credit cards, is we finally gotten to a point with this whole crypto ecosystem where traditional credit card providers and normal infrastructure has been built out to allow that kind of bridge to span between web two and web three. 
And what I mean by that is like we were a launch partner for Stripe's like credit card processing. And this just rolled out just a couple of months ago. And what it allows you to do is you can come to Audius and, you know, if you want to buy something with a credit card, a modal pops up. It looks exactly like how you would check out on any sort of e-commerce website that you're used to with a credit card and everything else. But behind the scenes, Stripe is actually kicking that out as cryptocurrency and it's going straight to the artist in crypto. And then they can turn it into US dollars or British pounds or euros or whatever their local currency is. And that can all happen in, in a split second. But it's really cool that like for once you don't have to go and download all this crazy complicated Web3 wallet kind of infrastructure. You can just use a normal credit card. And behind the scenes, we figure all that out on your behalf, basically. Yeah. I want to talk to you about the growth of the company and financing of that which is known and, and can be known. I remember you raised a seven-figure round in 2021, and I particularly remember that because not only did it involve lots of well-known artists, but also industry figures like, um, I remember John Josephson from CSEC and uh, Mark Gillespie and Guy Siri, I think, was involved. There was various people. Um, where have you got to with financing since that point? What are you looking to do over the, the next few years? And how does that play, if at all, into your ambitions for the service? You mentioned before that you're at seven to eight now at monthly users, I believe. Like, What is the ambition? Is, is it to be at 70, 700, or is it more nuanced than that? Is it more to do with the engagement of the uh, community, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. So to the first part of the question about financing, uh, there's probably not too much I can get into there that's been publicly kind of released. But yeah, I mean, we're in a very, very strong position. Uh, we are fortunate, as you mentioned, that we were able to raise money a couple of years ago before the larger market downturn. We were able to get ourselves in a, in a great place and be secure for many years to come. And then with regards to kind of the second aspect, seven to eight million monthly active users. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's an interesting spot to be as a company. and so. Actually, more or less, 2023 is we're starting to kind of pivot the focus of what Audius is in terms of prior to this, I think we've been focused on getting that number of monthly active users up, right? Like going from one to two to five to eight million monthly active users. And now we're at a point where we have so many of these super fans on the ecosystem, on the platform, using the website, using the, the mobile app. Now... I think a lot of our mentality is focusing and shifting towards how do we help the artist monetize that special fan base that has come to Audius. So up until now, most of the content has been free to use uh, or free to listen rather uh, for like marketing promotional purposes. A lot of it has been stuff that for one reason or another, the artist isn't super worried about monetizing. They just want to build a fan base. That's obviously far more valuable to a lot of these folks than, than maybe a casual kind of third party would think. Because uh, I think for a lot of a lot of artists, building a fan base is super important because that's obviously crucial for doing a tour or any of these other ways to or selling merch. Any way that you monetize, you've got to have a solid fan base. And so this is why they post things on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else, right? And so Audius has been another channel where things have been posted. but that being said, I think going forward, now that we have this critical mass of seven or eight million monthly active users, we're shifting towards, okay, now that you have those fans on the platform, how do we help you make money from them? And by make money from them, I don't mean go after the same sort of like 10 bucks a month pricing model. Again, what I mean by make money from them is how do we add functionality that super fans would like to pay for? And so what you can kind of think of 
audience starting this year and, and going forward, you can almost think of it as sort of like a essentially kind of like a like a Patreon only fans kind of model that's being layered on top of the existing catalog. So we've got about a million and a half tracks uh, that have been uploaded by a few hundred thousand artists at this point on Audius. And most of those songs, like I said, are, are available for fans to listen to. But if you're, let's say, a super fan of Dead Mouse, just a good example, like you would gladly, in many cases, pay two or three or five bucks a month to get access to content that's perhaps behind a paywall or freemium paywall. And that you can think of like a Patreon tier sort of system, right? And, you know, podcasters have proven this out on Patreon where they have many times a free version of the podcast. And then if you subscribe to their monthly Patreon, you get access to the full podcast or an additional podcast. I think there's a very similar thing that could happen with musicians where, okay, obviously on all the major DSPs, including Audius, you've got your major albums, right? And then perhaps you could have the B-sides or the unreleased songs that for one reason or another didn't make it onto that album that perhaps get dropped onto Audius one a month you know, for a year or something like that. I think there's like pretty obvious ways where you can choose to try to monetize your super fans. Again, we're under no illusion here. I don't think 100% of, of anyone's fans would want to pay extra money for extra content, but there's almost certainly 1% or 5% of your fan base that, that would. And the unit economics of that look really, really interesting. I don't want to get into the math there, but if you take 1% of somebody's fan base, but they're making five bucks a month off of that, that almost certainly blows out of the water the other 99% of the fan base just listening on a major DSP price per stream. And so, yeah, there's a whole lot of really interesting unit economics that could come with that mentality. Well, I've only really got one last question to ask, which is a, it's a tricky one, but I'm sure it's one that people have raised before. What is it that is Audius's granite cast USP, by which I mean, as the industry starts to turn towards the understanding that what you're talking about is not only the truth, it's ripe with economic possibility. What's stopping a Spotify or an Apple Music or another service from starting to launch elements of what you're talking about, locked off areas of the service for more passionate fan bases for a price? What for you do you think is going to be the moat that protects Audius if and when that happens? Yeah, so I think you're exactly right. I mean, I'm sure all the existing services will try to, to do something to this effect. And honestly, like... I am very confident where Audius sits in the ecosystem that that won't be a problem. But at the end of the day, also, candidly, whatever grows the ecosystem is better for everyone, including Audius, right? Like if a third party, uh, you know, we all can think of the names, decides to add this, I don't think it'll necessarily work super well. I don't think that they'll have the same level of engagement, the, the data transparency in terms of like knowing which one is of your fans are super fans, being able to engage on that deeper level, having the transparency of like what they pay goes straight to you as an artist a matter of, of seconds. I think there's a whole lot of things there that are interesting. And like, even part of that as well is kind of this Web3 aspect. Again, we don't hit anybody over the head with, with Web3, but we are able to build in a whole bunch of Web3 primitives into the audio ecosystem. So right now, we've had a whole bunch of artists that have, especially the last couple of years, launched NFT projects, for instance. And, you know, love them or hate them, whatever your opinion of NFT projects are, there are a whole bunch of artists that have fans that have purchased NFTs. And right now, the kind of utility of those has been fairly sparse. And so what we were able to build in was the ability to gate 
some of your tracks upon holding an NFT, for instance. Again, it's not the artist doesn't have to do it, but if you have an NFT collection you sold to your fans and there's not a lot that those fans can do with that, this allows you to maybe upload a few tracks to Audius that, that you wouldn't have otherwise, but you may get so that you have to own one of these NFTs to listen to it, right? Just like ways to give back to your fan base, especially for the super fans that invested in you. And I think there's a whole bunch of those sort of things. There's when it comes to <laughs> Web3. I mean, the space moves quickly, right? There's NFTs, there's DAOs, there's all these crazy things that pop up there. And it's really, really hard to stay on top of that, especially as a Web2 company. And so that tends to be our promise and our pitch to a lot of artists and labels and everybody else is, hey, work with Audius and we stay on top of all this stuff. And we add the functionality for your artists to stay relevant in this new Web3 ecosystem. We build the tech and then you can just plug into that and almost interface with it at a normal Web2 sort of uh, accounting and database sort of mentality. So it's kind of us acting as a bridge uh, between Web2 and Web3. Ever since you've launched, it's been apparent that you've been a forward-thinking group of people and a forward-thinking company. And I think always going to be the case as long as you go on. But the underlying principles of what you're talking about are inarguable from my perspective. And not only are they inarguable, they're becoming increasingly adopted across the most powerful decision makers in the music business. So with audience in the center of that, I think whatever's going to happen to the company, whatever the company may become, where however much the platform may grow uh, or partner or whatever may happen in the future, it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch. So Forrest Browning, thank you very much for joining us on the Music Business Worldwide podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. Mm-hmm.